Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the latest edition of the 8 o'clock spot live here on the Grid Network. I am your host, Bryson Carver, host slash moderator, that is, and we've got an absolutely loaded show. It took last week off. Uh, I was traveling on vacation. A bunch of people weren't available, which is a shame for, for Alfred because he was promising me like this this big uh, th- this big thing considering his Jets beat the Eagles. Uh, maybe, maybe you can have it in store for a little later, buddy, since your, your Jets come off a of bye, so they technically didn't lose this week. Uh, but we got a lot to talk about today. Uh, ALCS uh, Game 7, Rangers from the get-go just thumped the Houston Astros last night, 11 to four. Uh, Garcia for 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 Houston. I'm sorry for Texas was fantastic. We'll get into that. Also getting into into uh, Lamar Jackson's performance. I know my guy Devin's very excited about that. Uh, putting together a spectacular game against the Detroit Lions. Is he a top five quarterback? We'll detail that later. And our top two point getters in the final round will uh, tell you who's better between the Milwaukee Bucks and the Boston Celtics, the two betting favorites in Vegas to win the 2024 NBA title. But our first panelist is Devin Nettles of the At the Bank Podcast, and Devin. You and I, man, we're, we're happy Steelers and Ravens fans. How are you feeling today on this Tuesday? Dev, Dev, you got you, Devin? Oh, okay. De- Devin, for some reason, uh, Devin can't hear us. We'll see if we can get the audio uh, hooked up at some point. But uh, uh, Mike is uh, second. Uh, Mike, uh, we were just coming off an argument about Cavs and Warriors. Some, uh, for some reason, Mike Guido thinks the Cavs can be a better basketball team than the Golden State Warriors, which hasn't been the case in uh, seven to eight years. But uh, Mike, uh, nonetheless, how are you doing? You know, I, I really appreciated your honesty on the uh, NBA preview show that you did earlier today, Bryson, but I don't appreciate the shots right now. So uh, I take everything that I said before, I take completely back right now. Wow, that's I, I appreciate you just walking walk, walk that back. Uh, Devin, is Devin back? And Devin, do you, can you hear us, buddy? Yeah, I can hear you all now, man. I couldn't hear nothing at first. <laughs> so, hey, sometimes it just comes in and out there. But how are you doing? I'm doing good, man. You know, my boy's coming off that big victory off that MVP candidate, you know. But, you know, we we on to the next one. So, But I'm doing good, though. Big trust. Oh, it's back. You said you weren't going to do that until... No, no, no. I said I wasn't going to big trust you. I didn't say I wasn't going to say it anymore. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay well whatever whatever anyways we're, we're a half game behind you for the for the for the afc north so watch, watch your backs uh alfred parso jr happy jets fan even coming off of off of the bye and and uh big baseball fan we're getting finally getting some baseball today uh alfred how are you doing today i'm good uh the last time the jets played they won we made the eagles fans cry so uh i'm, I'm in a good mood there's nothing better than than seeing this this happy tear or well for us uh, tears coming from from Philadelphia fans. But again, we've got a loaded show. If I can get the leaderboard, uh, get get ready to go here because Alfred Parsar Jr. is absolutely on uh, on Barry Grant Jr.'s tail right now. We're getting the leaderboard loaded right now. Here we go. Uh, so, is this it? No, I think that. Ooh. Hold on, we get the updated leaderboard. I think that's it. Hang on. Okay, there we go. So, updated leaderboard. Uh, Alpha Parser Jr. is only 7,000 points behind Barry Grant Jr., followed by Devin, Mike. So, three three of the top four point getters are on the show. So, this should be this should be a fun one, followed by Dalton, Adam, John, Alex, and Eric. But, again, we got a loaded show. Let's start with last night's Monday night game. But before we get into that, let's go over our first-round rules. So, a great take nets you 200 points, a good take 100 points. No K take gives you 50, and a bad take you come home empty-handed. Zero points. So, the San Francisco 49ers, a team I argue might have the potential to have the, the the most loaded roster in the history of the NFL. Well, they've lost back-to-back games in this latest one against the, at the time, 2-4 and four Minnesota Vikings on Monday Night Football. Brock Purdy struggled badly uh, through two fourth-quarter interceptions, struggled throughout the night, uh, as did the 49ers, turning the ball over three times in total. Uh, I'll start with you, uh, Devin. Do you think Brock Purdy, two rough performances back-to-back weeks, do you think he was ex- exposed as being sort of a system quarterback? 
Uh, I'm not going to say he's been exposed. I just think that when you don't have your top guy there to help you out through that offense, I just think that it's going to be very, very difficult for you to actually be the quarterback that everybody's looking for. You know, Christian McCaffrey was also dealing with a kind of somewhat injury. He's not going to really accept that he was hurt, but, you know, he was dealing with an injury. I'm not going to say he's fully exposed. I'm just going to say that the Vikings really caught him on a bad day. Um, the Vikings defense behind Brian Forles, it's not a bad defense. It's just that the Kirk Cousins really just couldn't put up points for the defense to actually get off the field. The defense always is on the field. So I feel like that now that um, Brock Purdy gave the Vikings so many chances to Kirk Cousins and Kirk Cousins was able to capitalize for the first time on the big stage. Um, so I'm – I just think that the Vikings really just caught Brock Purdy and the 49ers on a bad night. You could argue that. You could argue that. Uh, listen, Brock Purdy has been, you know, just two weeks ago, it's crazy. He was in the MVP discussion. Now uh, everybody's like almost like dancing on his proverbial grave, despite the fact that it's only week seven. But I'll move to Mike Guido now because uh, because I'm curious your thoughts on Brock Purdy after two, you know, rough starts. Uh, do you think uh, he has been exposed as kind of a system guy given the talent around him and the coaching in San Francisco? Uh, I think it's I think that's kind of a tough question to answer because I don't know that he's been exposed as a system quarterback. I think most people kind of understood that Brock Purdy's good and Kyle Shanahan makes him better. Like, I I don't know that anybody's ever really said that Brock Purdy, if he were to go play in New England in a mess of an offense, that he would be, you know, a superstar, whereas Mac Jones is not like, I, I don't know that anybody's argued that. So. I do think that Brock Purdy is is in some semblance of a way a system quarterback already, but I do think that people are kind of overreacting to two bad games, right? I mean, you got to keep in mind, last week when they played Cleveland, Cleveland, Cleveland's defense is historically good this year, right? Uh, apparently the only guy that can put up points against the Cleveland Browns defense is Gardner Minshew, and that's pretty much it, right? But every, other than that, Cleveland has been unbelievable defensively, so I give him a pass on that, right? And against Minnesota, this is easily the worst loss of his career. But let's not overreact here. We have to kind of keep in mind that I think that this 49ers offense doesn't really run the same as far as pre-snap motion and getting guys uh, to create space without Debo Samuel in the lineup. I think people are underestimating the absence of Debo Samuel in this offense. He really is. Even if he's not their number one wide receiver on any given night, He's the guy that you have to game plan for because they line him up in so many different ways. So I think that there's a little bit of pre-snap deception that they're losing out on. And to be honest, what Brock Purdy's done, I mean, he's still completing 68% of his throws. He's got 11 touchdowns as opposed to three picks. Like he's still having a really solid season. You just have to kind of keep in mind that what Brock Purdy is right now for Kyle Shanahan is he's a, a a guy who can run his system at a very, very high level. That's all he is. If he throws out a stinker every once in a while, I think you have to come to expect that. That's fair. That's fair because the fact of the matter is his tangibles don't exactly blow you away. And I've always said that as a Brock Purdy guy, you know, his arm strength is, you know, leaves some to be desired. Accuracy is good and mobility is good. Uh, but from a physical, <clears throat> excuse me, from a physical perspective, uh, he doesn't exactly remind you of a Justin Herbert, so to speak. So I mean, you, you obviously got to take that into, into account as well. Finally, with you, Alfred, do you think Brock Purdy was exposed to a certain degree last night against the Minnesota Vikings? Exposed? No. And I'll tell you why. First off, uh, even though Christian McCaffrey did play, and he did score two touchdowns. He was nowhere near 100%. He was a game time decision. Uh, if you look at his stats, he only had uh, 50, he had 50, I believe 51 yards receiving and 45 rushing. 
not not really the yardage we've come to expect out of Christian McCaffrey. But again, the man wasn't healthy. People also forget that one of his biggest weapons, Debo Samuel, did not play in that game. Uh, Debo Samuel, of course, is a great wide receiver, and he's also been used in running plays uh, this season as well. So when you're missing one of your key weapons, of course you're going to be a bit handicapped. And I'm not even going to blame Brock Purdy for the loss. Uh, I'm going to blame, even though he threw that crucial interception in the fourth, late in the fourth quarter, I'm going to blame the 49ers defense for that loss. Um, reason being, Jordan Addison, they couldn't stop him. He had a, over 100 yards, two touchdowns. Hawkinson had over 80 yards receiving. Um, and, and I believe Brandon Powell had 64 yards receiving. So, I mean, if, and Kirk Cousins, almost uh, 378 yards, two touchdowns and a pick. I mean, uh, the the Vikings offense just just beat the Niners defense. I don't really think Brock Purdy's getting exposed, especially when his number one receiving option didn't play. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go out on a limb and say that he was exposed, even when they lost to Cleveland. They the, had had they made that field goal, the game could have went in a different direction if, if they if they don't miss that field goal and don't go to overtime. Uh, so I'm not gonna say Brock Purdy's exposed when his offense when his offensive weapons McCaffrey and Samuel are healthy again. I. I I don't even. I think we forget this conversation. That's fair. And again, when you consider how uh, last week keep mentioning over and over how it's 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 like an all star team in San Francisco, and and they they can do that to a large degree because Brock Purdy is 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 making less uh, per game than or less per season than Lamar Jackson is making per game. So like you you have to take that in consideration. Obviously, more on Lamar later. But uh, before we get to uh, point totals, let's look at the comments real quick. Sincere Browns in the comments, uh, frequent uh, viewer of the show. He says, "I liked the Vikings last night." Uh, I, I saw a few. I was talking to somebody last night who took the Vikings and the points, and obviously they they won outright. Sincere Brown also says, "I think Purdy will be fine." I think there's some a lot of truth to that. There's again, I, I kind of agree with the, all of you in terms of kind of caught him on a bad day. He didn't play terribly well, and just, you know some of the throws he just flat out missed. He missed Kittle on one play in the first half badly. So let's get to our point totals here. I'm going to give Devin. I'm going to give you a hundred points here. Only reason I tacked off some points is because I thought I'm not going to lie. I thought you were a little too hard on Kirk Cousins. Uh, I, th- I think given the fact that you know what he did, especially considering that Niners defense, uh, you could argue Alfred sort of alluded to. He got a little bit lucky in that throw to Jordan Addison at the end of the first half. But outside of that, that was that's honestly one of the better games I've seen Kirk play. Uh, certainly was the better quarterback on the field. And, uh, he did that just, last year, too, and then what happened? Again, he didn't play defense <laughs> as good as this last year in his defense. I'm not even a Kirk Cousins fan. I'm just saying, he, he played well last night. Uh, Guido, I'm going to give you the 200 points. I'm going to give you the full credit here. Uh, you bring up the point about Debo Samuel and how important he is to this offense. And obviously last week, when you consider missing Debo and McCaffrey for virtually the entire second half, and not to mention Trent Williams left tackle out of that game as well against the likes of Daniel Hunter, who's up there in sacks in the NFL. So that contributed as well. But uh, great take by you and a great take by Alfred. <clears throat> Excuse me, t- uh, tying Guido with 200 points. I uh, thought you brought up an interesting point that we expect more from the Niners defense than we do Purdy, and the Niners defense simply couldn't come through when it's all said and done. Uh, so, by the way, just some weird coaching by Kevin O'Connell. That game, very oddly conservative, uh, almost coaching not to lose, but they got the job done. To the second round rules. Second round, everything's double. Great take. Nets you 400 points. A good take gives you 200. An okay take gives you 100 points. And a bad take, you come home empty-handed once again. Let's move on to the American League Championship Series where it was a repeat of the 2019 World Series in which the road team won every single game 
throughout the Texas Rangers obliterate the Houston Astros by a final score of 11 to four Garcia for the Rangers who was involved in that sort of altercation. uh, If if you want to call it that in game five with the entire Astros team, got the last laugh, got the last bit of revenge and won the Elsa American league championship series, most valuable player. So we'll start with you, Mike here. Uh, Were you more impressed with the Rangers winning this series or the Astros, the defending champions now no more in a couple of weeks losing the series? Oh, I, I, I think by far I'm way more impressed with the Texas Rangers than I am disappointed in, uh, in the Astros. Truthfully, the AL West towards the end of the season was an absolute bloodbath, and Alfred can attest to that, uh, attest to that too. You know, there was a point where in late August and in September – The Texas Rangers bullpen was among the worst in baseball. They were blowing games left and right, and we weren't even sure if they were going to make the playoffs. I mean, it was getting really scary towards the end for the Texas Rangers. But I kind of want to go in a different direction because what impresses me the most about Texas is that a couple of off-seasons ago, when they signed Corey Seager to that massive contract, when they signed Marcus Simeon, to that massive contract. And then last year when they signed Jacob DeGrom and they just kept throwing money at guys. And I was always the guy on the other end that's saying, what are the Rangers doing spending all this money? They're, none of their prospects are ready to come up. And by the time they are, these guys are all going to be old and injured and past their prime. I just thought that they were spending money to sell tickets. It, it just didn't make any sense to me. So what impresses me most about the Rangers right now is that they proved me wrong. Like, this is a team that hits the absolute piss out of the baseball. They just do. Adolis Garcia, the fact that they were able to find him off waivers from the St. Louis Cardinals is phenomenal, right? I mean, listen, he drove in five last night. He had five home runs in his last four games. He was absolutely phenomenal. What they've done with their homegrown talent, guys like Jonah Heim, Heim, Evan Carter. I mean, they've been able to find guys – in their own systems, right? Nathaniel Lowe, Josh Young. I mean, these are guys that are going to be legitimate contributors for a long time in that organization. And then piling on top of that, what they've done with Mitch Garver, guy adding the pitching with Scherzer and Jordan Montgomery and Nathan Evaldi and those guys. I mean, they just have done a great job at building a team. And truth be told, this was a team that I underestimated a ton and they proved me wrong in every way. So I'm way, way, way more impressed by Texas than I am disappointed in the Astros. I'll tell you one thing I'm very impressed with what Texas did is the fact that you, not just you'd lose all three games at home. That's one thing to do that and go down 3-2 with the series shifting back to Houston. But it was the way they lost game five with the altercation followed by the Altuve homer, which felt like almost almost like a nail, just felt like a nail in the coffin uh, of Texas' season. They come back and, and win game six and, and destroy them in game seven. So hats off to them. I'll move to you, Alfred. Uh, were you more impressed by the Rangers getting it done in seven games or, uh, or disappointed with the Astros for losing a 3-2 lead in the series with two home games at the end? More impressed with the Rangers winning than the Astro than disappointed with the Astros losing, and I'll tell you why. I'm going to rewind time and go back to January of this year. Jacob DeGrom's introductory press conference when they signed him as a free agent, and me being a, Met, a, 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 a heartbroken Mets fan that he left, yeah, this he said, and I quote, <laughs> I chose to sign with the Rangers because I came here to win championships. Now, mind you, last season, th- this same team, minus the pitching staff, the offense is – you know, remain the same for the most part. This was a 68 win team a year ago, no playoffs. And they go, and now they, they win 28 more games this season and 38 more games, sorry, this season than they did last season 
on top of the, and you know, you hear that from the ground. I'm like, this guy's, this guy's delirious. You, I thought it was a money move. However, when you see the productivity of this offense in the regular season, they had the most home runs in the, in, in all of MLB. Uh, Adolis Garcia, again, like, like, like Mike said, it's crazy to think that he was not thought of as a, as a player that the Cardinals wanted to keep. He and Randy Rosarena coming up in the same year. Now they both are prospective stars of their own teams. <laughs> Um, and again, look at look look at the lineup from from one to nine. Jonah Heim, arguably one, the best switch hitting catcher we've seen in a long time. I think he's the se- second best catcher in the American League a- after Adley Rushman. You have um, former World Series MVP in 2020, Corey Seager, Marcus Simeon, uh, the aforementioned Garcia. These guys can knock the ball all over the ballpark. And then look at the pitching performances. Max Scherzer aside, uh, in that one horrible stinker that you and I had talked about a couple days ago. Their pitching staff, whether it's Avaldi or Montgomery, they've they've been great. The bullpen, which everybody had questions about, whether it was Will Smith or Jose DeClerc or even Aroldis Chapman, have been really solid uh, in these playoffs. And, you know, the Houston Astros, you can't be too disappointed they lost because they were on a run where they ran rough shot for the American League in the postseason every year. They had to lose at some point. Uh, and I really think, especially with Dusty Baker uh, announcing his retirement today uh, from managing, you know, maybe maybe Dusty. I don't know if they, I don't want to call it uninspired managing, but you know, it, it, every great dynasty has to have an end, and this year it was the it was the end for the Astros. I think they'll be a playoff team for years to come, but they, they they're not going to be the powerhouse they once were when uh when Correa and George Springer were there, um and George and uh and all those other guys. So they won last year. Nothing to be ashamed about. Altuve and and Bregman and Brantley and Alvarez and Jeremy Pena will all will all see the playoffs. Fifteen seconds, again. Al. But all dynasties got to come to an end. I, I tip my hat to the Rangers, and uh, I apologize for laughing at Jacob Degrom saying he came to win a championship in Texas. Well, he's four wins away from doing just that in in year one. But no, you bring us some good points. Uh, you know, Nathan Avaldi will always hold a special place in my heart for helping us win a championship in in 2018. But you bring up some good points. And by the way, Dusty Baker keeping Martin Maldonado in that game in the game. Just given, I, I know they were losing big, but that was weird. Uh, given we know Maldonado's struggles at the plate. Finally, with you, Devin, as a as a heartbroken Baltimore Orioles fan, uh, were you more uh, impressed? Sorry, I had to get that shot in there as a Red Sox fan. Um, all right, were you more were you more impressed? with the Texas Rangers or, or unimpressed and disappointed with the defending champion Astros. I'm going to have to side with everybody else, man. I'm more impressed with the Rangers, even though that the Rangers did knock my O's off, you know, but you know, and one of the main reasons why the Rangers did knock the O's off is because the bats got hot for the Rangers when they need to get hot. Um, So everybody had doubted because the, the O's had came in, with a real strong finish at the end of the season. Everybody had really counted the Rangers out. But the Rangers really came in and was like, no, y'all are a young team. We are a well team that's put together, and we are about to go ahead and show you what this hot bats can do. And each time that the Orioles tried to go up, uh, uh, get hot with the uh, Rangers, the Rangers just kept getting hotter and hotter. And that's what happened last night against the Astros. The bats got hot. The Astro, I mean, the Texas came out with three runs in the opening ending. And then they took a break off in the second ending, and then they scored again in the third and the fourth. And then they really got hot in the fourth ending. And then they went and got double it up in the sixth ending. So it was just like the bats just kept getting hot no matter when. If the uh, Astros even tried to even get hot, and the Astros didn't get hot like how the Rangers got hot. The um, Rangers also had guys that's averaging um, – 
If all these guys are averaging that in that game, man, that's going to be hard to beat. So I'm way more impressed that the Rangers really got high again and showing that these bats can turn on when the Rangers really wants to turn the bats on. So tips my hat. I tip my hat off to the Rangers also. I'm not going to lie. I have to agree with all of you on this. You know, given again, my, I guess the thing I'm most impressed with is not necessarily just Texas's you know, roster makeup, but the fact that they, again, as I mentioned earlier, uh, overcame the gut punch of, of game five to, to go on and win the series. And, you know, it goes to show you, Devin, you sort of alluded to it. That's, you know, the hot, the best team doesn't always get to, again, the Orioles with a, with a one seed and Tampa had a big year. You know, the uh, Tampa Bay lost to uh, lost to the Texas Rangers. And then obviously they, they went on to, to, to beat the Orioles and then the, the Astros, but, you know, it goes to show you the hottest team often wins more so than than the best team sometimes. Right now, the hottest team uh, is, is the Texas Rangers. Shaheem Taylor is in the comments and says the Rangers win was impressive that it was. So let's go to our point totals. I'm going to have to give a, a great, an A-plus great. Again, Mike Guido is, I don't know what, what, what you're on right now, Guido, but aside from the final <laughs> round, la- the last time you were on here, you are just, you're, you're feeling it, buddy. I'm not going to lie. That was, that, was, that was a great take. Yeah, Again, great take, get me thinking. I may not always agree, but if you get me thinking, that's, I'm always going to be, I'm always going to give you a great take. Uh, Alfred Parsar Jr., I have to give you a great take as well. Uh, bringing up, obviously, again, the roster makeup of this Texas team. Uh, both of you, by the way, you and Mike as well, doing something that to me I find very admirable is that admitting you were wrong. You don't, you didn't hide behind it. You didn't say, you come up up front and you say, you know what, I, I, I got this one wrong. Mike, in terms of, uh, you know, the, the Rangers spending a lot of money and, and Alfred uh, when it comes to uh, how much the, you know, how much you hated Jacob DeGrom leaving the Mets, and and now he's obviously hurt right now, but he's going back to to the World Series. Uh, Devin, give you a great take as well, man. I, I, I think you were you sort of brought up a point that is very true that the hottest team often does win the World Series or at least get to the World Series. And right, you know, as we sit here today, the Texas Rangers were exactly that, and, and Houston kind of went cold. So uh, great takes across the board. I, I got to give a plus grades to to everybody here. So that'll set up a very interesting. Final round or third round, rather, uh, featuring Devin's favorite team, the Baltimore Ravens. But before we do, let's look at our uh, third round rules. A great take gives you 800 points. A good take gives you 100 points. Okay, take to gives you 200, and a bad take still at zero. So one of the games, if not the game of Week Seven, was between the Detroit Lions, the red hot Detroit Lions, and the Baltimore Ravens, in which Lamar Jackson was absolutely spectacular against. By the way, a top 10 defense statistically in the Detroit Lions. Lamar Jackson uh, threw for 357, three touchdowns, ran for another. Had a QBR of 95 and a pass rating in the 150. So about as played about as well as one possibly could. Uh, so I'm going to ask you, Alfred, first, given his body of work, given that he has an MVP, and given the fact that he's arguably the MVP frontrunner again this year, do you think Lamar Jackson is a top-five quarterback in the NFL? When I look at the landscape of starting quarterbacks this season in the NFL, yeah, you put Lamar, Lamar Jackson uh, in the top five. Um, other than maybe Tua Tagovailoa, who can you, who can you say is having a a, a better year uh, st- statistics wise? I think Mahomes is always going to be Mahomes. Uh, Mahomes is going to have a great season, but Mahomes something is off about Patrick Mahomes this season. He doesn't look like the Patrick Mahomes that we've come to know and expect, even though he's still having a good year. Other than that, you look around the league. Who who else can you put above Lamar Jackson? Josh Allen has looked very regular. Um, uh, this season, struggling against a, uh, a poor Giants team, um, and then I, I can't even—I don't even know where else to look. Uh, you know, all these guys who we thought were 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 top ten quarterbacks seasons ago. Derek Carr is struggling. Jimmy G is uh is, is somewhere holding his back in a hospital bed. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I 
Lamar Jackson, he, and, and granted, he did this against the, the the a Detroit Lions team that everybody has high expectations of this season. Uh, quote me if I'm wrong, but they are the the uh, the NFC North leaders as as uh, as we're speaking right now. So for him to 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 mastermind and orchestrate a blowout of that proportion and have those statistics is amazing. But again, you look around, you look around the rest of the NFL. I, I don't think there are too many uh, starting quarterbacks that you can put this season over, uh, over. I mean, Trevor Lawrence is having an okay season statistically, but they got to give it to Lamar. If, if it's, if it's not, if it's not Tua or it's not Mahomes, uh, I, I would go with Lamar Jackson. If I had to make a case, Joe Burrow is hurt and struggling this season too. Um, there's not too many quarterbacks that are ten seconds that are, that are putting up the numbers that Lamar is. So he, he he could go in my top five this season. Yeah, no, he's playing well, and again, he's like I said, he's he's up there in the Vegas odds in terms of MVP uh, favorites along there with with, with Patrick Mahomes. So he's <clears throat> he is having a spectacular season. I'll move to the the resident Ravens fan in here, uh, Devin Ells. And for the record, Devin, I just want to tell you, I don't know if you know this, you are obviously relatively new to the Grid Network coming early this year, and you've been a fantastic addition for the record. Uh, but I don't know if you know this, but I've always been a Lamar Jackson fan, even though I mean, obviously, I'm a new <laughs> Steelers fan, but I've always I've always loved Lamar. Just I, I want I want I want. I want I want you to know that, okay? So, but do you okay. think Lamar Jackson, given his performance this season and his total body of work, do you think he's a top five quarterback in the National Football League? Yes, hands down. Yes, he is a top five quarterback. The reason why Lamar, even with the two losses to one of your beloved Steelers and to the Colts, Lamar was still averaging his uh, his uh, completion range was still up in the seventies. Even with those two losses, he was still up in the seventies. You know one thing about um, when it came to uh, NFC, Lamar is now sixteen and one, sixteen and one against any NFC team that he go against. And then second and thirdly, everybody was so hyped about Joe, uh, Jared Goff. Jared Goff is the MVP candidate. Jared Goff and the Lions have finally turned the curve. The Joe, all this noise, and Roquan Smith said it in the interview. I'm from the business where you have to show me. And the Lions, only thing the Lions would show up they did was come down here to eat crabs with us. Because you can clearly see that these guys was not ready to be on that field. They did not show up until about fourth quarter. So for Lamar, he's also the he's the only he's the second quarterback that's averaging a perfect rating. The other quarterback is the GOAT, Tom Brady. So you know, I mean, if, if he's in his own class with Tom Brady, not Patrick Mahomes, not Josh Allen, not Aaron Rodgers, not none of these other guys who's who normally be dominating the season. It's Lamar who get who had the unanimous MVP and the guy who's keep fighting and keep showing that when Todd Monken finally gave him an offense that he can open up and actually read and not hurry up and try to just hand it off and make a decision to RPO. Now he's checking off all the boxes that everybody thought Lamar couldn't do. Oh, Lamar can't read defense. Oh, Lamar can't give it to you past the receivers that's 25 yards down the field. Lamar's doing everything that nobody, everybody thinks that he couldn't do. So, yes, he is a top five quarterback in this league right now. He's playing unbelievable, and you make the great point about Tom Munkin, and we forget that. And I'm 100% with you in this regard in that we, we forget that – 
or not we forget there's this narrative that, oh, Lamar Jackson is a good passer for the pocket. Well, he may not be Patrick Mahomes from there or Joe Burrow from there, but he's absolutely in, in the upper echelon of, of quarterbacks. The, the film would, would, would show you that. And now that you got him, Todd Munkin, now that you got him, Odell Beckham Jr., Zay Flowers, obviously already have Mark Andrews, and he's making a start in Nelson Aguilar right now, uh, who, who who the Patriots couldn't do anything with. I mean, that's 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 the type of player that he is. I'll finish with you, Mike. Uh, do you think Lamar Jackson, given the performance uh, the other day and the season and in total, do you think he's a top five quarterback today in the National Football League? So I want to take you back in time a little bit. Uh, it's about four years ago when I was working for the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And it was my show, The Hate Stack, that aired on 11, from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. Eastern Time every single day, Monday to Friday. And I was a big fan of Lamar Jackson then. And I called him the infamous term. And I hope Devin appreciates this as a Ravens fan. I called Lamar Jackson a Ferrari with snow tires because <laughs> he's Ooh, fast sorry. and electric and super exciting. But he's reliable and he's safe for your children. Right? Like that's the kind of quarterback that I think Lamar Jackson has always been. So this isn't really a question for me about whether or not Lamar Jackson has become a top five quarterback in the NFL. This is a, this is where he's been. I, I think I've always been on the Lamar Jackson hype train because I just don't think that there are very many players in the NFL that are more electric than he is with the ball in his hands. And with that, comes some mistakes. Devin knows this, of course, right? Lamar Jackson is not always the most accurate thrower of the football. He doesn't always make the best decisions, but he's a lot like Josh Allen in the sense of when he's right, he looks like a superhero. So this is kind of where I'm getting at here. So I think right now with Lamar Jackson, what you've been able to you know, realize to this point is that he's completing 71% of his throws. That was a big thing that people were scared of, right? Mm -hmm. He's not efficient throwing the football. Well, this year, he's efficient throwing the football, and he hasn't been perfect every game. But listen, this is the this is what Lamar Jackson has done. He's been a phenomenal quarterback so far for the Ravens, especially this year. I think right now, the favorite in that division, I know you're not going to like that, Bryson, but truth be told, you also have to look at, this is the other contributing factor to this question, is that, Outside of the top three in my mind, right, outside of Mahomes, Josh Allen, and Joe Burrow, I don't know who's that next guy, right? I don't know if it's Jalen Hurts. I don't know if it's Justin Herbert. I don't know, like, like I don't know who that is. So is it reasonable to say that Lamar Jackson can rank fourth or fifth in the NFL in quarterback power rankings? He absolutely can. So after what he did to the Lions, who are a very good formidable football team i think you can you can give him the respect of saying yes him doing it with his legs and finally becoming efficient with the football with his arm he's pretty much in that conversation solidly to this point right now yeah, now he's playing unbelievable football, and I, I absolutely love the analogy uh, about the what, what did you call him again? I, I got I got to hit that one more time. A, a Ferrari with snow tires. That's so good. That is so good. You, you, you may have to, you got to trademark that Guido, but at the same time, Devin, you, you may have to use that on, on, at the bank from time to time. That's that's a good one for sure. For sure. Uh, real quick. Let's look at the comments here. Uh, Shaheem said, uh, said off. He had just uh, 400 yards and four touchdowns. I don't, I don't know what Shaheem is necessarily referring to. 
Um, did anybody say Lamar's off? Because I, I I didn't catch that because I'm obviously I'm trying to, to, to grade and give scores, but I don't know. Uh, our guy Parnell here at the grid, he says, was Lions Ravens game more good, more good Ravens in terms of being Super Bowl contenders or Detroit as pretenders? Uh, Parnell, I think that's more about Baltimore and, and what they can bring. Because I've always I've been on the Detroit Lions train since before the season started. I think they just had a bad day at the office, and Lamar Jackson and, and, and the Ravens took advantage of that. So let's look at our uh let's look at the point totals as we go and try and get to narrow it down to our bottom to or top two to get to the final round. Alfred, okay take. The only reason I give you an okay take is uh, I'm not gonna lie. I do not think I do not think Lamar Jackson has been better than Patrick Mahomes this year. So a lot of the numbers uh, would bear that out. Obviously, Mahomes was, was great on Sunday, uh, but uh, we, we hold Mahomes to like an impossible standard, like it like he's supposed to be Superman every time you know he, he touches the field. It's, uh, more respect to Patrick Mahomes. I, I thought you kind of threw some shade at the best quarterback in football, uh, just right there. So just if we're being fair, uh, Devin. Back to back to back, great takes for you. Uh, listen, your your assessment of Todd Munkin and the impact he's had on Lamar Jackson is 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 well noted uh, and well taken. And he, listen, he's he's obviously he's allowed Lamar to he's play, allowed Lamar to play more to his strengths uh, than than Greg Roman did there at the end. So great take by you, uh, Mike, because you went froze on Guido for a second there because he gave the snow tire <laughs> analogy and and because you, you listen, you you've been on Lamar Jackson for a while. Um, I almost docked your points for saying that Josh Allen was a top three quarterback, but I'll forgive you for that. Uh, that oh that's, my God, Bryson, uh, Jesus! I'm just, I'm just saying he's, he's not, uh, he's not uh, top uh, three. Uh, we we yes, can we can debate this another day, Guido. Okay, we can we can do this another day. Oh uh, but, but we do agree, Lamar is is, is amazing. Uh, okay. Let's uh so that means our, our our top two then is Mike Guido and and Devin Nettles. So Alfred, sorry to say, my man, uh, but you were not able to 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 make it to the final round. So you won't be able to pass Barry uh, quite yet. But uh, listen, you're gaining on him. So uh, great game for you, Alfred. H- hats off to you, my man. There you go. Okay. Uh, let's look at uh, our final round rules. So first of all, before we get into our topic, let's look at the final round rules. So this is winner take all. So the winner gets ten thousand points the loser comes home empty-handed so let's move to our final uh topic again this is a this is a do or die type situation so the nba season has officially already tipped off so we got the nuggets and lakers playing right now as we speak but the vegas t- favorites right now both come out of the eastern conference the milwaukee bucks who added damian lillard in a trade uh in the last few weeks and the boston celtics who added drew holiday recently and added Kristaps porzingis this offseason milwaukee obviously won the championship in 21 boston got to the finals in 22 both uh v- very you know Obviously, we understand the rosters and what they can bring to the table. So I'll start now with uh, with Devin. Uh, who do you think between those two? Who do you think is better on paper today? Is it the Milwaukee Bucks or is it the Boston Celtics? I hate to say it because you know I'm a I'm a Laker fan, but I'm gonna have to go with the Boston Celtics. Adding Drew Holiday was a big and crucial move for the Boston Celtics. Them moving on from Marcus Smart, which I felt like Marcus Smart is a dog. Yes, but at the times that when you need um clutch offense Marcus Smart had a lot of turnovers when he bring the ball up the court and then it felt like Boston would go flatline now you bringing in Drew Holiday even though yes you lose Robert Williams but you bringing in Drew Holiday to a guy that can actually take control of a game who actually can know the championship pedigree who can actually walk a guard down into the block and give you tough easy buckets also I feel like that's going to help um, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown that they don't have to be the guys all the time down the stretch. They have a guy who knows how to get the offense moving and what offense set there that's going to actually help Boston to get past Milwaukee. I like the Dame Lillard that Mil, uh, for Milwaukee, but the only thing I have a question about for Dame Lillard is health issues. 
You see that he only played 56 games last year in Portland. Now it's 56 games is not going to cut it in Milwaukee in my eyes. And, and Giannis is kind of, you know, with his game style, he was starting to get hurt a little bit down towards the end of last year. So if you have two of your stars, really, it's going to have health issues going into the season, which Boston really not going to have that many health concerns. I feel like Boston, to me, is the is my favorite making it out the East. Yeah, you make a compelling case, and the Drew Holiday edition was absolutely massive. And what it also gives them is, is a true point guard, which they haven't had in some time, certainly haven't had with this core group, uh, mm-hmm. a pure starting point guard at least with, with Tatum and Brown, obviously, as, as the one and two. So, yeah, adding, adding Drew Holiday was was huge for, for the for the defensive end. Certainly, we know what he brings there, but the offensive end as well. To Guido now, uh, do you think the Celtics are better on paper than the Bucks, or vice versa? Yeah, I mean, I to be honest, I, I I'm trying so hard to like the Bucks more, but I can't. I The Boston Celtics right now, I think, are just the better basketball team on paper. The only thing that gives me pause is Jason Tatum when it comes playoff time a little bit. But here's the here's the thing. Boston, I think, is less reliant. I, I shouldn't say reliant, but they I think they have less question marks when it comes to where stuff is going to come from, right? Their addition of Drew Holiday gives them such a good defensive backcourt it's actually kind of crazy. Jalen Brown's also a lockdown defender. You got to take care of him. I know people are not really thrilled. Bryson, I knew you weren't thrilled that they gave up Robert Williams. I'm not really concerned about it just because I still think what you're getting from that position with Porzingis at 7-3 and with Al Horford, I think is more than good enough around the rim to, uh, to protect it. I also think that a guy that you need to look out for, right, since they lost Grant Williams, is Jordan Walsh out of Arkansas, who they drafted this past uh, in this draft, who is going to be kind of that tweener forward that gives them those energy minutes. He kind of does a lot of different things. I think there's going to be a lot uh, that's going to be coming from him early uh, for the Boston Celtics. And to be honest with Milwaukee, that's that's kind of where the root of this is. I love Damian Lillard to Milwaukee. I think it gives them another element uh, to their offensive game, but they're definitely losing a step defensively. I think it puts a lot more pressure on their young guys to play solid defense like Marjan Bochamp, guys like Andre Jackson. That Those are guys that are going to need to step up in a defensive role because they just so dim- they they just simply don't have those guys in the backcourt anymore. It's going to fall a lot on the second uh, the second level with Giannis and Brooke Lopez and Bobby Portis and those guys. So right now, I just think Boston is more complete. You, you don't have to ask questions of where certain things, defense, ball handling, playmaking, offense, shooting. You don't have to make those questions about where ball, the, that stuff is coming from Boston right now. Good takes. Actually, great takes by both of you. Give yourselves a round of applause. But um, this was this was tough. Again, we, we always we, – we, we, anytime we get these, these two great contests, especially <laughs> considering y'all are top four, it's hard, man. But I'll dial up the victory music <laughs> because the winner this week <clears> – <throat> The eight o'clock spot is Devin Nettles. Devin, you are the winner of the eight o'clock spot this week. Congratulations, you have dethroned Mike Guido. Uh, man, crazy performance by you. Big time performance by you. Hats off. And uh, I don't know if the music is even playing right now, but uh, uh, how are you doing? How are you feeling about it? 
Man, oh, I ain't even gonna lie, boy. I thought Mike had me when he started naming those bench players. I said, Oh, he got me. Oh, That's why man. you beat him. That's why you beat him, uh, Devin. You're out here naming rookie. Rookies ain't gonna make no difference for the Celtics, Mike. Come on. No, I know you don't draft not, and I respect that. What's that? You don't you you don't think Jordan Walsh is gonna play? He's not gonna be an impact. He's 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 probably the seventh or eighth or tenth most important player for the Celtics. I think he's gonna oh, get some time in the first generous. twenty, the first twenty games. You know, those first games is to fill out to see how your rotations can possibly be. But after that, uh, nah, I, I don't see him playing that much, uh, Mike. I'm sorry, Fozone. Not in the playoffs. I don't enough. know. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, you got to keep in mind though, right? Because a lot of where the Celtics depth comes from is in their backcourt, right? With Pritchard and Derek mm-hmm. White and those guys. Like those guys are gonna get minutes up there. But when it comes to front court stuff, I mean, who's going to take minutes away from Jordan Walsh? Svi Mikhailuk? Like, is it, like, who's who's taking minutes away? Is it going to be Sam Hauser? Is it going to be Lamar Stevens or Delano Banton? Or like, like, who's it going to be? It's going to be Jordan Walsh. I'm telling you right now, he does everything that they love. Okay, we'll we'll, we'll see. I, I don't know. Man, I don't think he's this, <laughs> and with Josh Allen not being a top three quarterback, but golly, Bryce, I didn't know that triggered you're, you're you like that. But okay, today. you're on the list. <laughs> You're oh, on the list. That you're just oh. mad because you didn't win. You're just you're just bringing up. True, the, the, I am mad I, that I didn't win. Yeah. Well, whatever, whatever. <laughs> Devin, congratulations, Alfred, Mike. Great performances by you guys as well. That is it for the eight o'clock spots. We'll be back pretty soon uh, on Tuesday at East uh, to every Tuesday at eight p.m. Eastern, five p.m. Pacific time, live on the Grid Network's YouTube channel and Twitter accounts. Great job, everybody here. Uh, listen, this is this is the prime of the sports calendar. Middle of the baseball playoffs, middle of the NFL season, NBA season starting for you hockey fans out there. Got hockey, college football. This is there's nothing better than this. We'll have tons to talk about next time here. But hope everybody has a great week. We'll see y'all next show. Stay safe out there. God bless y'all. Peace out.